0: So regardless of what tradition that you're a part of, you'll celebrate the meal. Sometimes daily, sometimes weekly, sometimes monthly, sometimes just twice a year. But we all celebrate it. And so throughout the world and throughout time, the Christian church has celebrated this meal. And what this meal does is it reminds us of at least two things. And it, it, it's a reaffirmation um, that if, if you're a believer and you're coming up to this meal, that it's a reaffirmation that, yeah, I'm, I'm all in you're so saying to the Lord Yeah, Jesus I am all in your kingdom not my kingdom your will not my will and then it also reminds the other people around us like oh yeah we're not alone in this so when when we see one another going up it's an encouragement that says yeah we're not alone we don't go at this alone we go with other people and then that also invites us to encourage one another and also to hold one another accountable so if you see me doing something that isn't righteous, you can be like, hey, Mike, you know, I, I saw you going up to communion. I'm pretty sure that means that, that you're a believer and you're trying to live this way, but you're acting in a way that's, that's contrary to that. And then I can say, yeah, you're right. And then there can be repentance and reconciliation, and then we can, we can move forward. right? But then there's also an encouragement piece where, where when we see one another, we can be like, hey, I, I, I saw you. Like you came to the table with us. That, that must mean that we're in this together. And, and we can encourage one another to, to just not just walk in grace, but actually grow in our faith. Right? And so we practice what's called open communion, which means that you don't need to be a member of communitas to partake in the meal with us. We would just ask that you would be a repentant follower of Jesus. And so if that is you, come to the table. We've set the elements out to the left and to the right. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a time of silence beforehand. Uh, there's a lot of time that you're going to listen. We're going we're to sing songs, and we're going to use our mouths for that. I'm going to speak, and we're going to listen to the words. And so there's going to be a lot of auditory going on throughout our service. And if you're like me or most any other Westerner, uh, there's a fair amount of, uh, of production that goes into our day as far as television, radio, podcast, internet, and a lot of stimulation. And so this is a time for us to pause, and especially in light of Advent which is a time not just to, to get ready for Christmas, but as the songs say, to prepare our hearts that He would have room in our soul. And if you got a chance to read the Advent reading from last week, one of the, the psalm talks about, it's a psalm of ascent and they're walking. It's about the, the journey to Jerusalem. And it says that people stand in the gates. And so what does it mean when we stand? Well, it means you're not walking. You've taken a pause and they would stand and they would look at the grandeur and the glory of God in the temple and they would pause. And so as we prepare for Christmas and as we prepare to make our souls a roomier place for God to, to reside, part of the way that we can do that is, is we can take some time in silence, not just to listen for ourselves, but to listen as a community. Because as like we said, we're, we're better together. It's better if we don't go at this alone. And so we're going to take some time and, and we're going to reflect on a few questions corporately. Who is God the Father and, and what has He done? And who is God the Son and, and how did Jesus li- live His life and how does that reflect how I could live my life? And then who is God the Holy Spirit and and what is, God, and what is He trying to do in and through me? And he may bring some specific names and faces, times or places to mind throughout the last week or maybe something coming up, maybe stirring within you to move you to to advance the kingdom in some way or to be the present kingdom in someone's life. And so as we're in silence, we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit would convict us of sin would confirm in us the things that we're doing that are right and that need to be continued. All that we would better convey this Gospel message to the world around us that is so desperately searching for it. So I'll, I'll continue to pray and you can continue to join me. And we'll take some time in silence. And then as you're ready, come on forward. Grab the elements uh, to the right and to the left. And then bring them back to your seat. And then I'll read some words from Scripture and then we'll all partake of the meal together. And I, I know that in a room this large, there may be some people where you're going, I, I don't really know about this this whole Jesus thing. I don't know about this 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 whole like Christian deal, this church stuff. I'm not sure. And if that's you, then I'm, I'm glad that you're here. And you're welcome. And these are a good people to be around. And I'd invite you to ask those same questions of who is God the Father? Who is God the Son? Who is God the Holy Spirit? And And... What has God the Father done? And, and how did Jesus live His life? And how does that reflect how I should live mine? And, and how might the Holy Spirit be working in and through me? Because I've got to imagine that if you're listening to my voice right now, the Holy Spirit is trying to do something in and through you. And so may He convict you of your sin, confirm in you what you're doing that is good, that you'd better convey this message to the world around us. So, um, and, and kids, I'm always so impressed. Right? Everyone always says, "Oh, the kids like don't they get squirrely?" Well, yeah, but like the big kids do too, right? You know, it doesn't matter what size you are. We all get a little bit squirrely once in a while. And you always do so well. And I appreciate that you join with us and that you listen as well because we know that the Holy Spirit is very, very big, but doesn't only reside in big people, right? He resides in little people too. So that's very important. So I'm glad that you're all are here and that you're joining with us. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day to praise you. We thank you for, for this place to be, for the, the, that you've gathered these people here. And Jesus, we thank you for the way that you lived your life, demonstrating how to live, how to serve, how to die, and how to live again. Holy Spirit, we, we ask that you would continue to speak to us, Sometimes we, we put the wall up high. We draw the shades tight. We know, Lord, that You are persistent and that You will break in. And so, Lord, we pray that we would let You in. We would open ourselves up and avail our lives to You. That we'd come to know You. That you continue to work in and through us. And so we pray that You would bring specific names and faces, times, and places where where we've not done well where we have sinned, where we have fallen short, that we would repent. Or where we've done well. Lord, continue to stir in us that we would bring Your Kingdom. And speak to us now as we, we sit in the silence and we listen to You in a place that is not rushed where there is no time. The last time that Jesus was together with His friends, they were celebrating this meal that, that helped them to remember their rescue from Egypt. And, and we celebrate this meal now together as people who have been invited into that rescue. It's no longer about one particular nation, one particular group of people, but all people. And so we see the division that happened in the fall begins to be turned around its head. Reconciliation is happening, and so when we when we partake in this meal, we partake in that process. So as they were gathering, they Jesus took the bread and after blessing it he broke it and gave it to the disciples and, t- and said, Take, eat, this is my body, knowing that his body would break and his blood would pour out. He took the cup, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank You for this meal, for this forgiveness. We thank You for this, this meal and this invitation to be in life and in communion with You. And pray that we would not take it lightly and that we would, we would take it to heart and we would invite others into it. Amen. Okay, at this time there are some blue buckets that are going to be making their way around. Feel free to pitch your cups in there and we will take care of those cups for you. Um, Before we get into the readings, just have a few items of of, uh, of business that I want to talk about. If you've been here in the past, uh, you may remember there was a ramp here. Um, And now there are chairs here that don't match any of these other chairs that really don't match anyway. Um we uh these were just getting thrown away by another organization in town and we said well those will work um and so uh we've set those up and so we have I think every single chair in that we own in the building is in this room and um and I was thinking the other day I thought well it's kind of like man there's there just seems like there's a lot going on and uh there are a few more people here than there have been traditionally and um and so we thought we'd, we'd take a few moments just to kind of do a very, very, very quick recap uh, of the story of Communitas and talk a little bit about kind of what we're looking at moving forward. Because sometimes I'll meet people and they say, oh, well, you know, did, did you plant Communitas? And to plant a church means that you, you gather some people together and, and then you kind of start. A church and uh, I remember having a conversation with a pastor of ours back in in Boston where he said would you ever have an interest in planting a church I said no that doesn't really sound like my deal it'd be fun to be like the second or third guy in and just kind of help out and um, and that's what happened there was a gentleman named Bob and and he had pastored a church called Temple Baptist and they met over kind of where the soup kitchen is now and and at one point in time um, Bob when he was in his early 60s looked downtown and said "I, I think we need to go there I think that there's some people there that could use the Lord and and I just and he just kind of felt this this burning passion to do it. And I hope that when I'm 62 I still have like the fortitude and the energy to make that happen because like that that takes some doing. And uh and so fortunately he did a lot of it. And so and when we showed up um about three weeks, so Megan and I were living in Boston, I was doing seminary, and I was going to move, we were going to move to Bemidji, I was going to start a uh, retreat center up there. And uh, about three weeks before we were set to move, Megan said, well, what if we go to Brainerd um, or, or Piers and live a little bit closer to my family, what would you think about that? And we said, well, let's, let's give it a shot, let's, let's try it for a year, and we'll, we'll see what happens. And we looked on the website, and, uh, you know, so I'm looking at different churches around, and we had some connections, and, and, but we were going to be living just a couple blocks away, and I thought, well, man, if we could just walk the church, that'd be pretty dynamite. And I looked on, on the website, and I saw Sarah and, or Chris and Sarah Griffith's name. And Chris and I went to college together, and we've done some hiking trips and whatever before. And I thought, well, if they go there, it can't be horrible. Well, let's give it a whirl. And so the first Sunday, we, we came in, and we sat right over here, and, uh, and, and somebody got up front and they gave this announcement about how they're going to you know, try to pool some people together and, and, and reach out and go help somebody in, in the community. Because um, they hadn't been around and they'd been hurting and, and they're going to go and they're going to reach out. And I was sitting there and I was like, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's either crazy, like it, it's only crazy if it doesn't work, this person's plan. I thought, it's only, it's only weird if it doesn't work out. If it works and the person that they're seeking after you know, feels loved and cared about, then it's a great story. But either way, I appreciated and it communicated to us that yeah this was actually a church that was about the community It was communitas and and I thought yeah if that's what these people are about, that sounds pretty cool I'm intrigued and we came the next week we missed the next week but we listened to the sermon on the internet and and Bob was just talking about continue to talk about this idea that that sociologists would call communitas and communitas is it is an anti uh, it's, it's non-hierarchical, and, and it, it, it it exists and thrives on the fringes of society, not in the middle of it. And that was the thrust of the message that Bob was preaching that second Sunday that we were in town. And I remember thinking, "Yeah, cool, I'm 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 in. Let's let's do this." And and I sat down with Nick and I said, "Hey, you know, why do you go here?" Not why I should we. But why do you go here? And he's telling me about some stuff. He's like, oh, not to mess with your discernment, but we're kind of looking for a pastor. I don't know if you're interested or not, but whatever. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm interested or not either. Like we just got to town, and I just want to breathe a little bit. And uh, so we went through that process, and um, and I said, well, I'm just going to apply, and we're going to. We're going to just keep walking through doors until they close and, and see what happens. And then through the process, I got to learn the story. And, and so the building that you're in, it wasn't like we just thought, Oh, hey, cool. Let's go find this like funky old spot downtown. Bob was looking around. And I mean, like I can tell you the, the long story later, but I mean, how we got. This building and who had been involved and what had been happening prior to so there were there were three other ministries that were using this space to try to reach people in downtown area both in uh, kind of young adult people that were in recovery people that were in the bar scene and and just trying to reach out to people and and take the words and the story that they read here and apply it daily life here and out there and so what we're a part of here today isn't because of Certainly not my brainchild. Absolutely not. I mean it, this was and it's just been cool to hear just, you know, the the number of hands and the number of lives and the number of stories and the people that have, have gone like all in, like time wise, financially, I mean, have have just sacrificed and and continue to do things so that this this church can exist and so that the people would be served and the Lord would be known. And so that's what we're a part of here is we're a part of that ongoing story. And uh, you might be looking around and going, yeah, Mike, you know, it's it's getting kind of tight in here. And uh, in the summertime, it's probably going to be a pretty imperative that we hand out deodorant because uh, there's going to be a few of us. Uh, what's the plan? Um, well, we've, we started talking about this back in April because we started looking at the numbers and we went, well, if this continues, we're going to need to do something. And so we came up with a couple different plans. Uh, One thing that we're going to do kind of in the short term is um, you may notice there's a little bit of space behind me. And so we're going to on the 29th of December, if you are at all handy, um, we could use your help. We're going to just take off the back part of the stage and then we're just going to move it back a little bit so we can get a few more chairs in here. And we're going to continue to just do what we can to utilize the space as best as we can so that we can continue to gather, and then because you know as we talked about well, do we do other things? Well, it turns out community is very important here at Communitas. And so we're going to continue to do that as much as we can. And you look at, you know, we thought, well, should we get different chairs? Should we do different things? And you'll notice that the chairs in here don't match. And that's not something that, as long as you're not terribly concerned about it, I'm not too terribly concerned about it either. Because I figure you're going to sit for as—I mean, I want you to be sitting as little as possible. So I try to not talk as much as I am going to this morning. Um, but we want to invest in people, not in chairs, and. And, and so we're going to wait and, and we're just going to try to reconfigure this as, as best we can so that we can utilize the space that we have so that we don't have to you know do anything super crazy and and, and we want to free up time so that people can be with one another. Not wrapped up in trying to reconfigure rooms and doing capital campaigns and things like that. There may be time for that in the future, but at the at, for the moment, we're just going to stick with with where we are. And right now we're an eight year old church with eight year old problems and, and we're figuring out as we go along. I don't know if you remember being eight years old, but there's some things that you can figure out how to do and some things you don't know how to do. Right, Charlie? Yeah. Right? And and if you're concerned and we have uh we we kept the ramp because we need to have people if, if someone's here that needs to get up the ramp and we still have that. That's we haven't forgotten about that. We're not uh putting that aside but just so you kind of know we are aware of the space issue and we know that there are certain things that you know you can only cram so many people into into a place before it starts to get uncomfortable and uh and we've got some some ideas of how we'll continue to look into that in the future but for the time being uh, i just want you all to know that you're part of a story that that precedes this that precedes me that precedes all of us that that even that harkens back to the early 1860s when Couple people when Brainerd was fifteen hundred people, you know the Temple Baptists, you know what their their goal was? Was to reach a thousand people for Jesus. The town was fifteen hundred people. They're like, yeah, we want to see at least sixty-six percent come to the Lord. That's what we're a part of. So let's just keep that in the back of our mind as, as we as we go about and we think about what's what's in store for us in the future. We're we're getting there. Don't worry. Alright, at this time. If we get the, uh, we've got a couple people to read. Uh, so this is the, in the season of Advent, as we talked about, so we're going to see this story go from the mountain to the manger. So we've got, we got four different readings that we're going to go through today. Remember thinking, man, four different readings? You know, if you were with us during Ephesians, we did kind of shorter chunks. If you were with us during Matthew, you may remember that we did like two chapters at a time and we read the whole thing. And I think it's important that we read the scriptures together so that we understand the context and, and if, you know, like that's that's inspired. What I'm doing is just commentary. Um, So if we do nothing else, it'd be important that we at least read the scripture. So if I get the the scripture readers to come on forward, uh, we're going to be reading out of uh, Psalms. Uh, We'll be in Psalm 72, we'll be in Isaiah 11, Matthew 3, and Romans 15. And uh, and we just we 're going to follow the liturgical calendar for this month just as a way to that we would remember that we 're part of something greater uh, than this here today, and we can just use that microphone over there on the far left there. And, um, and we're going to read it in kind of chronological order. So we'll start with the psalm, and then we'll go to Isaiah, we'll go to Matthew, and you go to Romans. In a typical liturgical service, you, you read the gospel last, but I think just for the sake of, of understanding the story and the, the chronology of it, we're just going to go about it in, in that way. Uh, so, gentlemen, whenever you are ready, we'll start with uh, Psalm 72.
1: Uh, I hope I'm not... Is this on here? Um, I hope I'm not being forward. I was wondering if if you're able, if you could rise to your feet with the reading of the word. Starting Psalm 72, verse 1, 1 to 7, and then 18 and 19. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains be Bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like the rain that falls on the mown grass, like the showers that water the earth. In his days may the, right, may the righteous flourish and peace abound, till the moon be no more. And then in verse uh, 18, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever, and may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen
2: Who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him shall the nations inquire and his resting place shall be glorious at
3: uh, Matthew 3 1 through 12 in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea repent the kingdom of heaven is at hand for this is he who has spoken by the prophet Isaiah which he said the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord Make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all of the region about the Jordan were going about to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to the baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who, who warned you to flee from the wrath of, wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, does not bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with the water of repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff will burn with unquenchable fire.
4: From Romans chapter 15, starting with verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that... For the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen.
0: Thank you, gentlemen. and Thank you, Lord, for your Word that we're able to read it, ponder it. Lord, we pray for the church around the world where that is not necessarily the case, where what we are doing would land them in prison, where they don't have access to, to Scripture in multiple translations in their native tongue, audio versions to visual aids. Lord, we pray that we would use these not just to to better ourselves, but to further Your Kingdom. Amen. Okay, kids, at this time, you can head on over toward this door here. We've got some folks in the back who have a great lesson plan for you. Lord, we thank You for these kids and for these teachers. We know that to, to disciple Your children is not a second-class occupation, but something that You take very seriously. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that You would continue to speak in and through and to these teachers and these kids, that they would grow in Your image, and that we would model what it is to follow You. Amen. I've always been intrigued when I've watched um, young men um, kind of go about life and... uh, and kind of with the hope and the expectation of, of something in their life, especially when I was in when I was in college, then when I, I lived in a kind of a batch pad for a while, and it was really funny to watch, um, you know, the guys who were like, "Oh, I really hope that I get a girlfriend someday," and 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 they had this hope, right? They're like, okay, I, I I expect this is going to happen. I'm, I'm I'm pulling for this, and um, and they kind of like sort life out, you know, is and posture themselves in a way that they would, you know, they hope or they think that. Will attract a, a member of the opposite sex, and and they're they're hoping, right? And and then all of a sudden that moment comes where you know where the girl comes over for the first time, and and you'd think that they're preparing their room for surgery, right? I mean it's just like everything just gets this deep scale clean, and and they thought that they've been doing that for a long period of time, and I, I'm I'm no exception. I remember you know there were things where it was like oh I think this works, and all of a sudden Megan comes along and it was like. These things don't work anymore. They're they're gone. That's it. We're over. And um, and so there's certain things that we do where all of a sudden you have change of mind. Brings about change in life because what you're hoping for is is there and and, and it's different and and you want that to come to fruition. Right. It's 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 repentance in in some form. Um, and so if we can back up for a moment and just talk about uh, the the overarching story that we see in scripture and that we're kind of invited into an advent and that we'll see in the coming weeks and and so we see that, that in the be, in the beginning we're in a garden and if you haven't read it that's fine I'm just going to kind of give you the the just a real quick glimpse we're, we're in a garden sin enters we, we, we sin against the Lord and and there's separation but the the call and the mission is still the same. The call in the garden was to to be fruitful to multiply to steward it well to take this garden and, and, and tame the wilderness and make the wilderness into this garden. And so, and then we look into the future and we see that we're going to go from a garden in Genesis to a city in Revelation. And so we're going to continue to work this land and to build this kingdom. And so when we when you, if you listen to the the words that the guys spoke this morning that read, they read this morning, we'll see this kind of pruning. Language. And so we see Solomon, he gets this, this kingdom. And so we're constantly throughout the story, especially in the Old Testament, you see that they're, they're just constantly trying to bring unity back to the people. And so Sol- we finally get to this, this point where, where Solomon, the, the kingdom is established, and he's he's looking. And in Psalm 72, Solomon's looking to the future, and he's hoping, he's, there's, there's optimism. Because they've finally gotten to this point where they can... I don't know if you've ever been in, in a in a stressful period of your life where all of a sudden you can breathe and and you can like hope again. You can look to the future and you can kind of plan with with some dream and and with some expectation that what you're hoping for and hoping in will actually come to fruition, will actually be delivered. And so Solomon is is you know his dad was getting chased around the countryside throughout his, his childhood, and uh, and so finally there all the you know the the opponents are starting to to become less and less and, and he's and he's looking to the future and he's and he's hoping for this kingdom and he's like yeah this like we we're, we're here and and I, oh, I, he's going lord please help me to to maintain the, this kingdom and and he's going to screw it up a little bit um and and he's he's going to launch off on this sociological experiment where he's going to say I'm going to see if if lots of sex, lots of power, uh, lots of building escapades, and uh, you know just kind of lots of various philosophical pursuits will actually lead to happiness. And it turns out it doesn't. And Solomon's a pretty good you know I mean like you can't get more powerful than a king, you can't have more money than one of the wealthiest people in the history of time. And uh, I mean like if you if you're into wine at all, like one of the largest measurements that you can use to contain wine is a Solomon. Um, so, if that speaks anything about what the pursuits that he was into, okay, um, wrote a fair number of proverbs. And, and, and so what was his hope? And his hope was, was, was in this kingdom, but he was trying to do it on his own. And then we fast forward, uh, there's a couple hundred years of civil war, the kingdom divides. And so if you read in the Old Testament and you read things about Israel and you read things about Judah, Judah's off in the north, Israel's in the southern kingdom. And, and what's happening is they're, they're kind of duking it out. I think I flipped those two. Anyway, they're kind of duking it out back and forth. And there's these series of kings, and some of them are good and some of them are bad. Most of them are bad and most of them get worse as they go along. And then Isaiah the prophet comes along and he says, Hey, stop. This is this is crazy. You, you've been called not to get what you have so that you can hoard it up and make your name great. We've been blessed to be a blessing. You don't have what you have so that you can get more. You have what you have so that you can give it away. So that other people can thrive so that other people can know this hope so that other people can know the Lord so that this kingdom can come not the kingdom that you think it is not the kingdom like all the other governments we're supposed to be the people that are different that's what it means to be holy to be unique to be set apart there's a morality that goes along with it but there's also a uniqueness and a set apartness and it's not set apart to be you know real egocentric it's set apart to be christ-centered to be for the kingdom and so Isaiah's kind of you know he's he's screaming at these people right so he's he would have uh, if 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 the kingdom of Israel were about the size of Minnesota um, Isaiah would have lived downtown he'd have been high rise he'd have been on uh, he'd been in the capital pretty frequently he was fairly cosmopolitan if you will and so he's he's there and he's pleading every day and he's like no no we we got to get this and don't you see like you know the, the there's going to be new growth how many of us know that that in order for there to be new growth off of a stump what happens to the rest of the tree if you have a stump the tree has died so that's where we get the new life and so then so so there's this this overarching story that's going on we see this pruning language and this garden language and this this cultivation language throughout the story and then we get to John and throughout this time the 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 folks in the Old Testament have been looking forward and they're hoping for the Savior and they're hoping that in, in various things, a lot of times they're hoping in themselves. They know and they've seen and they've witnessed God do incredible things, but they're still hoping, well, I, I'll i figure this out on my own. I'll, I'll get this sorted out. Don't worry about it. Solomon hoping in the future. Isaiah's in, you know, they're hoping for themselves. And then in Matthew, we read, and I just I love this, this dialogue between... Um, John the Baptist and, uh, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, if you, if you have your Bible open and you want to follow along in, in Matthew three, uh, but basically so what's happening is is, is John is, is trying to to help people to understand this. And so for hundreds and hundreds of years the people have been have been waiting and, and John is like, "Hey, uh, the rats are coming up and they're getting off the boat. Things are getting pretty bad. It's time to change. It's like when those, like the stinky kids, you know, like uh, myself, where all of a sudden you start to deep clean the room because the girlfriend is coming over. John's like, hey, uh, she's pulling into the driveway. Get your stuff figured out. And so John is trying to hearken to people and saying, hey, look, the Messiah is coming. That which you have been hoping for for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years is on the way. Repent. And, and then he's like oh you think and, and it's just this i i just read this and i can't help but hear sarcasm and john like you think that because abraham's your father that that makes you special like are are you kidding me like and and so they're on this they're on the the banks of the river and he's like These stones that we're standing on—like you—you've read the stories about what God can do, right? You don't think that He can just make new sons and daughters out of these stones that we're standing on? It's like you're looking at such a small God. See the glory and the grandeur of God. Don't just think that it's oh, my ancestors did this, so I'm cool. I don't have to do anything. I can just kind of. John's like, no, that's such a small version of the kingdom. He's come to make all things new. He's blessed you so that you can bless others. Get on board. Answer the invitation. Take the call. It's like, you, you think that you can just limp this sucker along, that there aren't going to be actions to your consequences? He's like, brother, the ax is at the, the base of the tree. You're going to get cut off. The ship is going to leave, and you are going to be standing on the shore. The water is rising. It is time to do something different. And so we read Paul. Who, so Paul was a member of of the. He was a Pharisee, and so wouldn't necessarily he would not have been there. He wasn't wouldn't have been old enough at that time. But his crew of people that's that's kind of what he's a part of. And so what I love when we when we read the the first part of. Um, in Romans 15, all of a sudden he's talking about a different day. He says, "In those days." So Solomon's looking future. Isaiah's looking future. And all of a sudden, Paul goes, "Yeah, in in those days." And he starts looking backward. Why is that? What is he looking at? Oh, he says, there's been a cosmic shift, both personally in Paul's life. So just quick story. So Paul is 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 he has pretty dramatic conversion experience mine was like fairly slow and over over time paul was chasing after christians and trying to lock them up and put them in prison and all of a sudden he gets knocked off of his horse and the lord speaks to him directly and is like hey uh maybe you could not do that anymore i have a different idea of where we should take this okay and so paul is like hey uh rest of the world Check this out, okay? So all of the Old Testament was looking forward to this moment. John was speaking about that moment that happened. And now Paul is saying, hey, everybody, that happened. This cosmic event, this cosmic coming of Christ is, has, has happened and needs to happen in your life too. Hope has arrived. And so what is it that we need to see? What is it that these readings are trying to, to help us to understand is that our hope in life is in the cosmic coming of Jesus Christ. It's not in, in some future kingdom that we hope to attain. It's not in some sort of sexual prowess. It's not in, in having the best party. It's not in having the most money, in building the best business, in having the, the best constructed philosophy or theology or church plan. It's not in trying to, to do it on our own. It's not in, in the, the faith of those around us or the faith of those before us. Paul's saying, no, this cosmic event needs to happen in here. You need to recognize that there is a moment where you were going one way and you were thinking one way, and now all of a sudden you are thinking a different way and you are living a different way. And Paul's going, hey, and it's really easy to just get super enthusiastic about this, but he says, no, you need to endure. So there's going to be moments when it's going to be really good. And in those moments where it's really good, I need you to be steadfast. I need you to be steady. I need you to develop some practice. And I need you to just stick to your guns. And when things are going really crappy, and if you remember, if you were here when we talked about Ephesians, so Paul is writing from... Ephesus, right? And he's or he's writing from Rome, and he's he's locked up. So Paul, like Paul, isn't just writing like, hey, you know, uh, you should just endure while I'm sitting here on the you know side of the Adriatic eating olives. No, like he's people have to bring him meals because he's locked up. He gets beaten and he gets persecuted and he eventually gets his head cut off because of this. And so when he's saying, yeah, it might go badly for you. And if that's happening, I need you to, to endure too. And so it isn't just a psychological optimism or just kind of a you know a really good self-help kind of pep talk that we're looking at here, but it's actually a, a change within our soul. And this comes from placing our hope not just in in something that we you know sometimes we think about hope and we think oh I hope this happens it might or it might not, but this hope is something that there's an expectation here that this will actually happen and paul's saying yeah because it actually did so i is and paul's going I've, I've read the old testament i i had a bulk of them memorized by the time i was 12 and, I, I'm, and he's like, I'm, I'm here to tell you that this hope has come and so you take a guy named paul who is very prideful very arrogant very intelligent and who had all the pedigree, right? I mean, he even talks about it. he's like, I was he's like, I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, he's, he was from the right tribe, he was of the right people, he did all the right things. And throughout his life, in multiple occasions, he'd say, No, that, that's all for naught. He says, Here is the hope. And so why is it important that we get this whole because all of a sudden we become less concerned about our ego and more concerned about God's kingdom? Because we begin to realize that it isn't about our plan, but it is actually God's plan, and it isn't our work that does this, but God's work. Because if we don't get this, what are we hoping? Well, we just we're going to continue to just kind of hope in in other things. We're going to hope that, you know, it's our sexual exploits, our power struggle, our food, our diet regimen, our workout, our philosophy, our theology, these various constructs. We need to actually hope in the real-life presence of Jesus Christ, because when we don't, man, we just get drained. And so, if that's you, if you're in here just going, "I am, I'm trying really hard, but man, this, this is wearing me out. I am shot." Let's look at what's draining our lives and let's get rid of it. What's the barrier between us and the Lord? Because the gates of, of, of repentance are never closed. Forgiveness is always on the table. There's always this invitation to come and sit and to join. But some of us, we've got we've got some things in the way, don't we? And so what is it that's in the way for you? And how might the Lord, as we talked about earlier, how might the Lord be calling you to, to remove some of those things? And if you can think of something specific, man, get rid of that as soon as possible. Because the more space we make for the Lord, the more He will fill that space with Himself and with His presence. And so, what what do we do? How do we bear fruit? Well, we read that. What did Jesus do? He became a servant. All oh, that became. That gives me a lot of hope. Because I don't. I'm not a servant on my own. I'm, I'm not Christ-centered on my own. I'm Mike-centered on my own. And so it's really hope-bringing for me to read that Christ became a servant. That gives me hope that I might also become a servant and that it is a process and that I have to engage in that process. And so what does it look like to partake in that steady persistence? Persistence in times of good and, and what does it look like to be patient in the times of, of difficulty? And I know for me personally and what it kind of what Paul is saying out here is that we should be encouraged by the life of the Messiah and the words of the scripture. So we read about Jesus, his hope wasn't in in riches, right? I mean, I don't did he have a house? It wasn't it anything that Solomon was hoping for? Was it wasn't anything that kings that, that Isaiah was talking about? It was in the kingdom. His hope was in salvation, righteousness, holiness. So I start to think about that, I go, Oh yeah, what what do I hope for? Do I hope and long for salvation? For holiness, for righteousness, for me, for my family, for my neighbors, for my friends, for my family? Not as often as I should, if I'm being honest. And so let's be people. And, and what, I've, what I've loved about about being here with, with you all for the last few years, it's been such a pleasure to hear about people's stories where their lives are being changed because they've begun to read the Word. And, and their lives are being shaped by that and they're beginning to know Jesus better. More personally, and this cosmic coming of Christ is coming real in their life, and they have a new hope. And so it's it's just a pleasure to, to be able to, to watch that story unfold in the lives of, of all of you. And so this brings a question: so, in in what are we hoping for? If you think when blank happens, everything will be okay. What's in the blank there for you? Is it salvation? Is it holiness? Is it righteousness? So often for me it's you know when breakfast happens, everything will be okay. When when a nap happens, everything will be okay. When I can just get some time with Megan, everything will be okay. When I can get out for a bike ride, everything will be okay. Or do I start to fill that with when I know salvation, everything will be okay. When I when I know holiness, everything will be okay. When I know righteousness, everything will be okay. When the cosmic coming of Christ is active and alive in my life, I'll know that everything will be okay. And then how does the glory and the grandeur and the greatness of God inform these hopes? Because often, we, Our hopes aren't too big, are they? They're often too small, too temporal. And from what have we turned in the past? We see that John is calling his people to turn around to do something different. We see that Paul does that. What has the Lord called you to turn from? And how are you celebrating that turning? If you've received forgiveness, how do you celebrate and express that, that forgiveness in your life? Do you tell the story of God's forgiveness to those around you? And in what ways is Jesus's forgiveness drawing you closer to others? It's too often we think, "Okay, I'm I'm forgiven," and we just move on. But that forgiveness should cause us to move closer to others. That forgiveness should be able to help us see more clearly the the brokenness and the longing for hope in others, and that should spur us on to move closer to them, shouldn't it? Because how did when we think back through all out of our, all of our stories, if you're in here and you are a repentant follower of Jesus. Did that not come about because somebody else shared this with you first? How many of us just stumbled on this on our own? No, most of us had somebody who came to us and said, hey, the axe is at the base of the tree. It's time to change. There is a better life out there for you. Embrace it. So to whom are you being drawn? Are there non-believers or people that ha- don't have a church home that are in your in your circle that that maybe you need to talk about these sorts of things with them? And so let's remember that when we hear God's voice, we're to remember and we're to remind and we're to rejoice. Let's remember that hope in life comes from the cosmic coming of Jesus Christ. And let's remind one another that we're to bear fruit And let's rejoice that the gates of repentance are never closed. Sean, whenever you are ready. So let us stand and sing in response. We gather to scatter. We have been blessed to bless. We've been put into this story, not that we would be the hero, but that we would point to the hero. Not that it would be about us and our kingdom, but it would be about God and His kingdom. So as you go out today, may the very roads that you took to get here be the very paths by which you go back out into the kingdom to preach and display and to live and to share this message of hope. Throughout this week, may the cosmic coming of Christ and the hope that is the result of that stir deeply within you and cause you to live life differently. May you bear fruit that is worthy of repentance. And may we continue to rejoice that the gates of repentance are always open. Have a great week. Uh, Gather in the back. We have some simple carbohydrates and complex, uh, caffeinated beverages, simple carbohydrates. Uh, If you uh, have a child in the back, if you would please go and grab them. Otherwise, we will just bring the simple carbohydrates and caffeinated beverages Back to them and uh, let them loose. So have a great week. Go in peace.